about that. Yeah, I, I reject what Phil just said about the dancing. Um, I was in a... My, um, my cousin, um, my cousin-in-law is uh, Nigerian, and we were at my cousin's party in London the other week, and, uh, you know, a few of us guys were there, and my granddad was there, and at 12 o'clock at night, there was a whole group of Nigerians dancing, obviously. You know, all us guys were stood around the side, and there's my granddad in the middle of the circle. If you want to see the moves, he will show you after the service. Just ask him, like, it's fine. Um, there is pictorial evidence of this. Hey, you know what really struck me this morning? I really think we're taking strides in worshiping this church. I mean, Christian mentioned it before, but I think you know a church's passion for Jesus, like passionate for Jesus when the whole church worships. I'm not talking about how great a worship team is or, you know, that helps, but when the church lifts the voice to Jesus, when the church, you know a church is passionate for Jesus, when the whole church praises and worships their God, they just come on a Sunday morning, they just can't help but praise. What do you think about that? I mean, my, um, I just want to actually, I just want to take this time just for a second. I think, you know, for our generation and, and for my generation, if there's anything I want to be, I, I want to be honoring to, um, to the generation that is now and is going before us and, uh, I just want to honor Christian and Phil for like believing in my generation, in us guys, in, in all the young guys. Pete did what he did this morning, the worship team, and all those guys who do things in Universal and the meeting place. We just thank you for the wit you win at our back because it just sets us up to win. So we thank you for that, guys. Okay, I'm going to get into this message. You know what? I'm glad that I don't come to a boring church. To be honest, I would not come to a boring church. Um, there's, a, there's a saying that's around us guys at the moment, and it's, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Okay, okay. Let's, wait. Yeah, exactly. That's, see, that's, that's what I need. So let's just try that again. There ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Thank you. Exactly. So we are in this dance series. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the verse that um, Phil's given me this morning to speak. We're zoning on stand firm this morning. And this is the verse. It's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know, the reason we're doing this series, the reason that um, the guys wanted to do this series is because we live in a world that, where a lot of people aren't standing for anything. You know, Christian brought his message last week, stand in, stand up, and stand out. And uh, I listened to that the other night, and it's just an incredible message. Um, I know that Paul's going to bring his message, and Phil's going to bring his message in a couple of weeks' time. And I've already heard these messages. You need to be here throughout this, this whole series, because it, for me, it was life-changing last time I heard it. But the idea for this series is to, in a world where most people aren't standing for much, the church needs to be standing for something. In a world where, you know, there's no true way, there's no true right. You know, you can have your opinion and I can have my opinion, but you're not right. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no, in today's kind of world, there's no right way. No, you, you know, if you say that, you know, this is the only way to live, that's a bad thing. You know, in a world where political correctness is the main priority in a world where anything goes it's vital 
that the church stands for something. And that's what my message is going to be around this morning. It's the time that the church, we got our voice back. It's the time that we started to stand up and say, this is our God. If you don't like it, then that's fine. But this is what we're going to do. And this is the God that we're going to serve. And we're going to serve him passionately and unashamedly. It's time we got our voice back. Come on, church, you need to be with me this morning. I need some response from you. You know, we've all been in those situations where, where we can either take our stand or we can stand down. We can either raise our voice or we can lose our voice. Have we not? I, um, when I got married, it gave me a lot of opportunity to do this. Um, when I came back from my honeymoon, which was a great time, um, for, many, for many number of reasons, um, I actually put on 10 pounds on my honeymoon as well. I was eating a lot. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. I came back um, and I came to football on the Saturday morning and I, we do play in a Christian league, but just about every person on my team is not a Christian. Um, and the guys were like, oh, you know, did you have a good time? I was like, yeah, it was, it was great. And one of the guys said, oh, I bet nothing's changed though, has it? Now in this moment, I've got a choice to make. I either say, nah, nothing, nothing's changed. Or because uh, the reality is that a lot's changed. I've moved in with Helen, you know, we have sex now, and, and all the, which is great, and, and all these kind of things. Uh, you know, a lot's changed. So I've got, I've got my decision to make. Do I say that, or do I just kind of let it skirt by and, and lose my voice? Well, I decided to say to, to this guy, I says, well, well a, lot, a lot's changed, actually. Uh, actually. He says, what do you mean? I says, well, we, we have sex, and we live together now. I went, I'm a Christian. He went, yeah, I'm a Christian too. <laughs> and I do all those things, okay? But in that moment, what I'm saying is I chose to take my stand. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that throughout my life I've always taken my stand, but I'm believing more and more that every opportunity that presents itself, I will take my stand. And what the church is called to do in this day is to take your stand. You know, we're not called to just go and just gun people down. You know, you need to give your lives to Jesus like, you know, the godfather of evangelism. Do you know what I mean? You're not supposed to be like that. But when the opportunity presents itself, you've got to take your stand, church. We've got to take a, a, a stand. There's a generation that's rising up that's going to say, I, I, I don't, you know, the world, you do what you want to do. I'm not, we don't, we, we're not called to be scared of sin because sometimes it seems like that Christians, you know, we don't want to go to the clubs. We don't want to go to those people because we're a bit scared. I want you to know Jesus is not scared of your sin. If you, you know, if you're in sin, a lot of us do sin at different times. But Jesus isn't scared of sin. He runs to it. Who did he hang around with? The prostitutes, the tax collectors. He hung around with those people and where to, to do the same things. Let's not be scared of those things. Anyway, you know... In those moments where those, those people, your friends, are asking you to do something that compromises your Christianity. In those moments where, you know, your friends have asked you, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And you're like, are you going to take your stand? In those, in those uh, opportunities where your col- colleagues are talking about the weekend exploits, will you tell them what you've been doing at the weekend? Will you tell them that you've been worshipping with, with, with followers of Jesus? It's time we took our stand. This is what Jesus came to establish, a group of people who will take his kingdom into the workplaces, into the schools, into the teams, into the friendships, into the families. Jesus came 
So to give us power to be his representatives. He, all he, when, he, when he came here, he just gave out power. He gave out authority to be a representative of him where we are. We're to be Jesus to those people. I've got three areas I just want to speak into. I didn't start my time. That's a bad thing. Um, I've got three, three ways in which we're to stand firm this morning. So number one, everyone just say number one. Stand firm boldly. If we're to stand firm, there has to be a boldness about our lives. There has to be a boldness about our lives. And then immediately some people are turning off because you say, you know, I'm not a loud person, Josh. I'm just a quiet person. I'm not talking about if you're loud or quiet. I know loud people who, have got, who are timid. And I know quiet people who are very bold. You know, my, my Auntie Caroline sat on the front row right here. She's a great example of a quiet person being very bold. You know, she's not scared about telling people about Jesus. But you wouldn't say she's a loud person. Would you? Okay, you would, yeah. Christian's, Christian's like, no, I reject it. I'm sending that one right back. Okay, I think I've touched a sore point there. Daniel is one of my favorite books. And in Daniel 3, we find three guys called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My mum used to sing this to me as we, uh, as we went to bed. There were three in the fiery furnace. Shake your bed, make your bed, and off to bed you go. So uh, I am familiar with these characters. These are people who, have grow- who I've grown up with. And uh, so we, we come, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you don't know the story, they're living in a foreign land. They are serving under King Nebuchadnezzar, um, who at that time was probably the most powerful man on the planet. And King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, what do kings do? They have ideas. So he has this great idea one day um, to build an idol. Uh, he's going to build this big idol, and what people need to do is they need to bow to this idol when musicians start playing. So uh, he, he goes through this idea, and he says, everyone in the land, you've got to bow. Everyone in the country, you have to bow when the musicians start playing. So we come to the point where the musicians are playing, and everyone's on the knees, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego still standing. Let me just, a, a side point, this is going to be come to you in the future, but it does matter who you're standing with as well. If you've got two other friends with you, if you've got two people beside you who are going to stand with you, it's powerful. It matters who you stand with. See, they didn't bow because they realized that if they bowed to this idol, they had compromised the relationship with their God. If they bowed to this idol, it compromised the relationship with their God. Let me just a side note here. Is this things in your life that compromise your relationship with God? So we go on. And uh, people obviously saw that they were standing and they did not like it. So they took them to King Nebuchadnezzar. So they stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. And I think King Nebuchadnezzar liked these guys. So he said, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to give you another chance. Next time the um, flutes play and, and the musicians play, if you bow, you're off the hook, no probs. Now, in verse 16, Daniel 3, verse 16, we find their response. It's this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. 
But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now, some of us are scared to kind of say we're a Christian. These guys have just sat in front of the most powerful man on the earth who is about to chuck him into, he's just promised him he'll chuck him into the furnace. They're saying to him, we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to bow to your idols. So what goes after that is that King Nebuchadnezzar is obviously a guy who's not used to be said saying uh, no to. Um, he turns up the uh, furnace seven times, the usual temperature, and they get chucked in. It's that hot that the people who have thrown them in die. Um, so the three guys are in there, and normally I guess you're accustomed to burning of flesh and you know, people screaming when this kind of thing happens. Uh, there's none of that, but you just see three po- people wor- walking around, and Daniel says that there's a man in there that looks like the son of God as well. And King Nebuchadnezzar goes, hold up, get these guys out. There's a man in there who looks like the son of God. They, they bring him out, and because of their boldness, King Nebuchadnezzar glorifies God in this generation. Now listen to what King Nebuchadnezzar says here in verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted it in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Listen to this. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. That's amazing. See, I believe that that story is so relevant for us standing firmly in boldness. I believe that as God was glorified in that generation, as they stood boldly, that God can be glorified in this generation as you and I stand boldly. You know what? We're having idols forced on us every single day of our lives. Idols of money, idols of sex, idols of fame. And it's going to take a generation who say, you know what? I'm not going to go into work on Monday morning and I'm not going to gossip. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to come out with you and and just get hammered because that's not who my God is and that's not what my God wants me to be. I'm not going to go in, you know, and just sleep around and I'm going to honor my wife. It's going to take a generation who stands boldly and says, this is my God, this is how I live, and this is what I'm going to serve. Is anyone with me this morning? This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. See, as God was glorified in their generation, we've got to be determined that it will be glorified in ours. We've got to be determined that he will be glorified in ours, in your friends, in your workplace. We've got to be determined that he will be glorified. Everyone say number two. Number two. I want to jump back to um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. If I can find it, I've lost my bookmark. There we go. This is my second point. Stand firm in your service. I'm just going to read 58 again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
immediately when I speak about service or anyone speaks about service in church, people, people start thinking, what are you going to ask me to do? You know, what, you know, I've signed up, I'm coming on a Sunday morning, what are you going to ask me to do? The good thing is, I'm not going to ask you to do anything. The bad news is, God's going to ask you a lot through Paul. Let me just read this a little bit again. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. See, our lives with Jesus were never meant to be based on theory. They weren't meant to be based on, this, this Bible's incredible, but if you just read this as another book, it's not going to do so much. But if you read this and apply it to your life, that's when things start to happen. That's when things start to change. See, I feel sometimes in my own life and in our, our lives that we can get caught in, a, in you know, just, just living and doing that thing, but it was never meant to be, I've got this one story from this one time. You know, I did this great thing for Jesus a month back, or I served God so great. You know, a year ago, you, you should hear this story, and you're just telling the same old stories over and over again. I found myself getting in that place, even, you know, preaching that I, I tell the same stories. I'm thinking, I need some new material. <laughs> We, we get into a place where Christian spoke about this morning in the, in the prayer time that we, we actually are looking at the things we did in the past. See, giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. He didn't just say, give, it, give yourselves fully. That, that could mean, on the Sunday when I come, I'll just give all I've got. He says, always give yourselves fully. This was meant to be a minute-by-minute, play-by-play relationship with Jesus. Every second of every day, I am willing to serve you, God, and I'm going to give everything I've got. I'm going to give absolutely everything I've got. When I walk into that workplace, I'm going to be, I'm going to be looking around. I'm going to be ready for when you call me to do something today. I want to be living that kind of life because I know that's the kind of life that's modeled in the Bible. See, let me just ask you a question. If everyone served Jesus like you do, would that be a good thing? You know, if Christians served Jesus like you did, would that be a good thing for this church? Would the church be in a good place? You see, service to God isn't just about serving his church and this church, but it's a big, big part. It's a big part. See, the reason the first church exploded was because it was a group of people who say, God, I give you everything. God, I'll give everything to you. God, I'll give everything to build your church. See, they were the people who were sat. They were, they were sat under Jesus when Jesus is saying, this is my church and I will build it. I will build it and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So they knew this stuff. They knew it was real. They knew that God was about his church. He was about giving everything to this church. So immediately, it's, it's just an easy decision for them. I'm going to give everything to this. See, sometimes I look around and I just feel like it, it's been this way in my own life. And in, in probably this is true for you, some of you guys around as well, that sometimes it's God, I'll give you something. Or God, I'll give you a bit. Or God, I'll give you Sunday, but you think I'm going to prayer on Tuesday? Ha! See, those people who used to have the excuse of, you know, I can't come out on Tuesday night because Neighbours is on or whatever. You've not got that excuse anymore because TiVo, Richard Branson doing the work of the Lord. Definitely. <laughs> it is for me anyway. Get, it on, get, it, get that on the skybox. See, when we come to church, you might not 
understand this if you've not been around church for a long time, but it can't all be about the take. It can't all be about what I can get. It can't all be about me. Sometimes I feel that church is treated a bit like a hotel. We come, we turn up when we want, we receive, and then we leave. You know, there's a group of people at times, you know, jumping from conference to conference, jumping from church to church, and they're not planted in the house. They're not planted in the house. And this is a home. This is to be a home. This is to be your home. You know, I was in Hillsong, London last weekend and uh, worshipping with however many thousand people, which was amazing. But it wasn't home. It wasn't my home. I just turned up there. I, I, I turned up, you know, at half past ten, whenever the service started, and I left straight away afterwards. It was inspiring for me, but that was, that's not home. It didn't feel like home. It's not where I serve. It's not where I give my service to. See, we need your service. We need your gifting. You see, Alison can bring something that I can't bring, and, and Andy can bring something that Alison can't bring, and Jared can bring something that Liam can't bring, and Liam can bring something that Joanna can't bring. And when we come together and we bring our service and we say, God, I lay my service before your altar, the church begins to explode. See, we look at places like Hillsong and we, and we say, you know, it's great. I want what they've got. We want what they've got. But you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. You don't see where, where they've been. I, I've seen um, videos and documentaries and different things. You know, there's people at Hillsong who serve and they're at four o'clock in the morning to set up. People doing seven services a day. They're there from four o'clock on the day off till 11 o'clock at night. I need to go back to my notes for this because... Uh, See, the difference between a church who maintains what they have and one who changes a community is how much the church give. I'll say that again. The difference between a church who maintains what they have and one who changes a community is how much the church give. There will be times when you're tired, times when you have a busy week, times where you want to stay in and watch TV. I have those times as well. But Phil spoke about this a lot of the time. A lot of times, that sometimes you just need to show up. Some, you know, there's not always going to be angels dancing around when you're driving to church. Sometimes you're going to argue on the way to church. Sometimes it's going to be hard to show up, but God will grow you in those times. You will grow in those times. I find in my own life that when I decide that, you know, I don't, do I really want to go to prayer tonight? Do I, I'm tired. I've been at work all week. I've been doing 60, 70 hours. Do I really want to show up tonight? And when I show up, I feel leaving, I leave feeling so much better. You know, people were kind of laughing at me and Helen when we turned up the morning after our wedding uh, night. And like, what are you doing here? And, you know, sex don't take that long at the start. So, <laughs> is that okay? Is that okay to say? No? Sorry. Sorry. If I have offended you, uh, talk to Christian about that. <laughs> No, yeah, you can come and talk to me. I'm joking. Um, where was I? <laughs> um, you know, we turn up to church. We, we turn up to church because we're, we're passionate about what God can do when we come into this place. I'm passionate about every single time that when I, when I turn up to this place, I'm passionate about what God's going to do that morning, 
what God's going to do in my life, but more importantly, what God's going to do in people's lives around this place. See, let me just, let me just uh, add something on here. Paul just adds this tag at the end because he knows that it will get toughy at times. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, when you do something for God, it's never wasted. My friend Danny Gunn, Wednesday night, the meeting place, Dan had done 35 hours in three days. Uh, been super busy at work. I think that's about right. Is it about right? 30, 35 hours, something like that. <laughs> he was tired. I could tell he was tired. And he showed up earlier than anyone else, set the equipment up so that we could run that night, that service. That's not thinking about himself. That's not me thinking about, uh, you know, Danny thinking about himself. He's, he's thinking about what God wants to do through his church. See, when you do something for the Lord, it can never be wasted. It's never in vain. You know, that, that person you've been praying for, that person, that, that ministry you've been feeding into that doesn't seem, you don't, you don't know where it's going. It's never wasted with Jesus. You see, this building has got foundations that you can't see now. There's certain, thing, th- certain things that happen that you will do. You know, you might set the chairs out and you might get upset because people don't, don't, you know, pat you on the back or whatever. It's all a, a, a vital part of the building. This church has is, is got foundations that go deep that no one will ever see. But it's important that we have the foundation there. It's important that we stand firm in service. Is everyone still with me? Point three is this. Stand firm on Jesus. I'm just going to flick the page and go to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. It says this, now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you were saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. If you look at your life and be completely honest, what is your life built on? What is your life built on? Is it built on Jesus or is it built on that relationship? Is it built on money? Is it built on possessions? Is it built on that job? See, because the problem with that is that money will go. Possessions will date. Your perception of your image will change. And you, you might lose your job. You see, we live in a world at the moment where a lot of people have lost their identity because they've lost the job, they've lost the money. We live in, you know, recession you know, we're in a recession. Let's just be real. You know, we don't need to be scared about saying that. But people have lost the, their, uh, the, the image. They've lost the kind of identity because it was founded in the job. It was founded in the money. And, and that money is no longer there. See, when you put your, when Jesus is your rock, when you're, you stand firm on Jesus, the Bible tells me that it's a rock that can't be shaken. See, I can never be shaken. You might say, no, I don't put my... Uh, Faith in any of those things, Josh, I put my faith in me. I put my faith in me. I got swagger like Mick Jagger. That's fine. But there will come a point in your life where something comes and you won't be good enough to take that. You won't have enough to conquer it on yourself. There will come a time in your life, it happened to me, where, where, where things just got knocked from beneath my feet that weren't right. But if you build your life on Jesus, if you build your life on Jesus, 
There's an interesting story in Matthew 7, verse 25. And it's talking about the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. Which will you be? Which will you be? Jesus called the people foolish who didn't listen to his teaching on that day. Will you build your life on Jesus? Or will you carry on building your lives on the car? Will you carry on building your life on the image? Will you carry on building your life on, on you know, I've got what I want. I'm, I'm me. This is all about me. I'm all going to take. I'm going to take and that's it. Or will you build your life on Jesus? I'm coming to the end of this message now and there's going to be a response in just a second. But I want to, I want to say that if this generation can stand firm, there's more points to what my message has got. You know, it's just a simple little message. But if we can stand firm on Jesus... If we can stand firm on Jesus, if we can stand firm for Jesus, this generation will be changed. This town will be changed. There's no doubt about it because when a group of people stand up and say, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, the kingdom is only going to get advanced. The kingdom will only get advanced in your, in your city, in your school, in your workplace, wherever. See, there's a group of people, you might, this might be your first time in church this morning. And you might be wondering what we've been talking about, what we've been singing about, what I've been saying. You know, you might think, what's this guy with a weird haircut doing at the front of the church? It is a weird haircut, you can take that. But we're just passionate about Jesus. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is not scared of your sin. Jesus is not scared of your mess. Jesus runs to your mess, if anything. He wants to be a part of your mess. He wants to come and sort it out. He wants to come and help you. All he wants you to do is invite him into your mess. That's all he wants you to do. I'd just like everyone to bow their heads just for a few seconds. You're not praying now. You are just giving people their space. And you've heard the message this morning. You felt something different when you walked into church this morning. And you say, Josh, yeah, I am in a mess. Josh, I need, I need a hand. I need, I need help. I've been building my life on all these different things. And you say, I want to invite Jesus into my mess this morning. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning. I want you to lift your hands around this place now. If you want to invite Jesus into your mess this morning, I'd like you to lift your hands now. Thank you. Thank you. His hands going up around the place. If you just leave your hands up just for a few seconds, that would just be really nice. No one's looking around. Three people have responded so far. Is there anyone else this morning? That's great. You can put your hands down. You can just look up for a few more seconds, church. Let's just, let's just celebrate that. Three people are giving their lives to Jesus this morning. If you put your hand up this morning, I'd love you to go and speak to, you know, come and speak to me, come and speak to Christian, come and speak to Phil. We'd love to talk through that decision that you made, go through to our new welcome bar. But now I want to speak to the church, the Christians, the believers. And I want to ask you, are you standing firm for Jesus? Are you standing boldly? Are you standing firm in your service? Are you standing firm on the foundation that is Jesus? And I'm not going to make this easy for you this morning. 
If you want to make the dedication that I am going to stand for Jesus, I'm going to stand for my friends, for my family, for this town, for my generation. This morning, I want you to stand to your feet all over this place. I want you to start standing. If that's you this morning, you want to say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, no turning back. You know, this is not an easy commitment. This is, a, this is almost a call to service. This is a call to, I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life. No turning back. Come on, we're just going to sing this. I'll stand and then we'll just wrap up. Come on now.